This is ESPNW's Free Cookies. I'm Kate Fagan. And I'm Catherine Budig. This is the podcast all about sports, wellness, and pop culture. And on today's show, we will chat with the extraordinary Emily Nolan, a former Division I softball player, professional model, and about what happened in the hours after she had full body liposuction. So, in keeping with the open, real vibe that Emily brings... KB and I decided we would each share something personal. And speaking of keeping it real, in the final segment today, we all know that Kate loves lists. Woohoo, lists! I will keep it real by creating a list called The Ish Kate Loses. Oh, that's not as fun. You're going to get to know all about the real life. All right, let's do it. (laughs) Let's go. Okay, before we get to our personal moments, and KB, I am looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Sure. A little bit of free cookies housekeeping. We are going to, what is that? It's a donut. This is not free donuts. Also, that's like a raspberry covered white chocolate pretzel donut. I don't know. Um, I looked at the cookies that they had and they didn't have any good looking cookies, so I got the donut. You're off brand, by the way. Mm-hmm. You're, you're reliably that's off brand. That's why this is audio. It could sound like I'm eating a very soft cookie right but now. But you're not. It's a donut. I know and by the know. way, that donut would, uh, would not be on the standard cookie list. But we are adding another cookie to the standard cookie list today. And that cookie is oatmeal chocolate chip. Welcome, oatmeal chocolate chip, to your deserved place on the standard cookie list. Many of free cookie listeners, many of cookie monsters have inquired about adding you to the cookie list. I agree. You Okay, good. And I just, uh, side note here, all y'all talking about Oreos, you just need to stop. Okay, because when somebody asks you what your favorite meal is, you're not like, hey, it's DiGiorno or it's Stouffer's Pizza or it's Hot Pockets. So your favorite cookie is not an Oreo or a Nutter Butter or a Thin Mint. I would like to interject and just say, why does it have to be polarities? Why can we not just add another cookie without slamming a cookie that I and many other listeners love? Because it's fun. It's fun to slam one cookie when you're praising another cookie. And that's what happened here today. Well, I'm just going to take another bite of my donut. Okay, KB. Because Emily, who's coming up, is so open about so many personal things, I did want each of us to bring something to the table today that we feel like is real and raw. And when you're done chewing that bite of your donut... I'm done now. I I want to hear. What's on your mind? Donut to honesty, people. Um... So the thing that's been top of mind for me as far as getting raw is I have struggled with bouts of anxiety since roughly about 2010. And I, when I first started struggling with anxiety, I actually had no idea what it was. I was traveling on a regular basis, teaching yoga around the world, and I had suddenly gotten struck with really intense vertigo. And I had gone to all the different doctors. I had gone to my acupuncturist, and she had needled me in really uncomfortable places, telling me this was going to help with like vertigo. Where? That did nothing for me. And I went to Western doctors, and those doctors told me that I most likely had an inner ear infection of sorts hmm. that was causing the vertigo. So they put me on diuretic pills. I lost a ton of weight. I was dizzy all the time. I was miserable. And so I'm on these diuretics. I go to Alaska, one of my favorite places in the world. And I was talking to um, a spiritual guide of mine. And he said, look, there's really strong chi in Alaska. And what I highly recommend that you do while you're there is go outside, 
take off your shoes, sit in the ground, and just connect and, and meditate. We're in a rather rustic area of Alaska, and I had a moment, and I'm sitting there with my eyes closed. I have my hands in the ground. Like I just asked for support and grounding, and I actually had a moment where I felt better. But then fast forward to getting back to Los Angeles, and I read a blog that was quite poisonous, really aggressive, And so right after reading that, I stood up and the vertigo hit me strong to the fact that I just had to sit right back down. So I called up my acupuncturist and I said, please, 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 you need to see me. I feel horrible. And I got over there and I told her what I was experiencing. And she went, huh, I'm going to try treating you for anxiety. You know, I'm, I'm not going on and on about this because I'm telling you how to fix it because it's still something that I battle with. And my, my whole point of sharing this is, again, I don't have an answer, but I'm hoping it just makes people feel like, wow, I'm not weird. <laughs> like there's nothing wrong with me. And yeah, yoga's great. Doesn't fix it. Meditation's great. Doesn't fix it. Um, time, patience, breath, good people, therapists, conversation, being able to say, I need help. All that really helps. Something very few people know about me, including my good friends, because why would it come up, is that when I was younger, young enough that I am not that embarrassed of it, I was busted for shoplifting. It's actually the best thing that probably happened to me when I was younger, because if I didn't get busted for shoplifting and I was trying to shoplift two cassette tapes, one was Michael Jackson and I can't remember the, I can't remember the other, but trying to shoplift these tapes was the escalation of my criminal career because I started with like shock tarts and sweet tarts at like the convenience store and then I would start stealing bigger candy bars and then then this was oh, the so you moved your way up yeah and so then as I got older this attempt to steal these cassettes was my first real attempt to steal something that wasn't just like a slap on the wrist for like a little kid who didn't know better when we were at the mall, it was Rotterdam Square Mall in upstate New York. I was with my mom and my mom went to a different store and I went into Record Town. I haven't gotten busted yet. I must have stolen like upwards of like 30 to 40 rolls of sweet tarts at that point. <laughs> and I was like, I really want these cassette tapes. And I was wearing a pair of Umbro shorts. Oh, Umbro's. You just dated yourself. Yeah. And but I, I secretly think you're very cool. Thank you. They were uh, turquoise and purple and they had pockets, which is crucial to the story because I put in my pocket the Michael Jackson tape and then let's just say it was Bobby Brown and the Bobby Brown tape. And I'm not sure why in my sixth grade mind I I thought Umbros were like the perfect concealer for (laughs) a three inch by half an inch hard cassette tape. So like this bulge of cassette tape in my pocket, which is an odd sentence. <laughs> and I attempted to walk out of the record town. And the security official, or it was, it was the was manager of the store. Before they had the strips that would set off alarms? Of course. Okay. Or maybe, I mean, maybe I didn't know. Maybe I was like, shock tarts, sweet tarts, cassette tapes, who cares? <laughs> I attempt to walk out of the store and, and the manager's like, hey. Hey, you umbro. Wanna, hey. You want to give me what's in your pocket? And I was like, of course. What? I have nothing in my pockets. 
And then he was like, I can see that you have cassette tapes in your pocket. Baby Kate. And I said, oh my goodness, I just, I meant to buy them. (laughs) I just forgot. I put them in my pocket and I forgot. And he's like, I don't believe you. Show me your wallet. I was like, oh, a wallet. Oh, oh, you mean I needed money to buy these? No. So he, he pulled me over to the register. He paged my mom. My mom came in, was mortified. I told her the same story that I had put them in my pocket and forgotten them. She believed me. We left the mall. Regardless of the fact she believed me, I was told I was never allowed to come in Rotterdam Square Mall again. (laughs) Wait, by the security guard or your mother? No, by the security officials for the mall. They didn't press charges and they didn't press charges because I supposedly had agreed not to come back. And we got in the car and I truly think, and I know this because I've talked about it with my mom since, and that's what's most disappointing to me is that my mom believed me and still believed me. I actually don't feel bad about attempting to steal the cassette tapes. I feel really bad that for years I let my mom believe that I had forgotten them in my pocket. All right. So now that we have laid bare our souls, let us bring in Emily Nolan. Yes. Emily and I originally met in, was it 2014? I think it was 2014-ish when we were both at Mind Body Greens Revitalize and I was a speaker there and my topic was body shaming and body image and Emily and I were sitting on the bus together and I was kind of nervous because sometimes when you're around are a lot of wellness people, they can be a little weird. And this chick, <laughs> I, yes, including me, I guess. But and I sat next to Emily and I was so smitten with her. And by the end of the ride, we started completing each other's sentences on all of these topics. And I was like, huh, I like her. And before you go any further, I do want to say that smitten is an underused word. And I love the word smitten. Smitten is a very good (laughs) word. I love it. When I say I'm into somebody, I'm like, I'm smitten with them. I just (laughs) love the soft energy it conveys. But anyway, please. (laughs) So hopefully you're all going to be smitten with Emily by the end of this. But I just want to give you all a little background on who this lovely woman is. So Emily's a lifestyle blogger. She's a motivational speaker and entrepreneur. And she teaches women how to embrace their uniqueness inside and out. So in a previous life, Emily, this is very interesting, was a very successful model who shifted between 16 different clothing sizes. So plus size modeling, and were you down to a a size two at one point? Zero and a two. A zero and a two. So um, because of this, also, she's a survivor of multiple plastic surgeries, which we're going to get into today, uh, attempting to achieve success on society's terms instead of her own. And upon leaving the modeling universe, Emily vowed to learn to love her authentic, fuller self unabashedly. So she is known to her millennials, and this is a really, tell me if I'm butchering this word, raw rollers? <laughs> wow, I think you butchered it. I think you butchered it only because I don't know what it is. Well, okay, so it's not followers. I've... Frawlers. Frawlers. Got it, got it, got it. Friends, not followers. Got it. Frawlers. <laughs> Followers. Working on it. We're going to get Catherine there. (laughs) Okay, so the point is she's this this silly, amazing cheerleader for self-acceptance, and we're really, really pumped to have you here, Emily. Thank you. For all our diverse listeners, I'd love to start just to know some of your background, like where you're from, family, anything you're willing to share about, you know, that foundational piece of your life. Foundational piece. Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm from Northern Virginia, Fairfax, right outside of D.C. I live in Miami Beach. 
I my social security number is. Oh, good. <laughs> Let's really start from the really, beginning. Honestly, all we need is your Gmail password these days. Not even a social security. <laughs> Give me your thumb. Okay. Happily married to my wonderful husband Matt. We live in South Beach and we travel all the time. Um, started my career. I went to college at University of North Carolina Wilmington. Played softball growing up. Trained for the Olympics. What position? Was a catcher. Me too. You were? I was a catcher. My nickname was Pudge. Guys. What? Like Pudge Rodriguez? Yes. Yes. Dude. Yes. He was like the first one to give me my catcher's helmet. You know the hockey mask? Oh, no. And Pudge had like, did you ever have the, um? this is very foundational. Yeah. Um, this is exciting. This is great. You know the little, the bag, the catcher's bag? Yeah. The, yeah. So Pudge was the one that like did that bag first. Instead of putting it over your shoulders, my mom was like, Moms, oh, I didn't like, know he was an innovator with all that. I oh, just yeah, thought he was phenomenal. I do want to know because you sounds like you played softball at a relatively high level through high school. I would and suggest. College, yes. What was the? No, I just I want to. I mean, you had the Pudge nickname. You got super <laughs> excited. Like I feel like I need to know a little bit more, Catherine. Like. What was the final moment of your softball career? I believe it was my freshman year of high school. All right, good, though. That's good. <laughs> I may not have actually, in retrospect, it may have just been middle school, but I was good at catching softballs. You were Pudge. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, the first time my coach called me Pudge, I was like, what the? Watch what you're calling me. And mm. then I realized, oh, the player got it. And then I was very proud of my Guys, name. I love how quickly we just like melded wellness mm. and sports. Thank mm-hmm. you, Emily. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, now I feel like we're twin flames. See what I mean? <laughs> Finishing sentences, the catching girl that- softballs together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we interrupted you. Yeah. So continue on. Uh, okay, so went to school, played softball at UNC Wilmington. Okay, so you played at Division One softball. Yes. Okay. Yes. Pudge. Okay, okay, okay. I I have other qualities that are amazing. <laughs> I had worse nicknames. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then went to business school, graduated, started working in DC. Do you want my 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 work? I'll give you the whole thing. Read uh, me your resume. Yeah, Emily. let me give you my CV <laughs> in case ESPN wants to give me a job. Um. <laughs> So started working in politics, was on Capitol Hill, and worked for nonprofits as well, helping injured vets and giving them scholarships, privately funded scholarships back to school to pursue careers that they want to do um, previous to like when they would receive money from the GI Bill. And during that time, I got picked up as a model. And I was in between sizes, um, was also dating a huge narcissist <laughs> who... I picked real winners. You didn't marry. Because that would be awkward. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Who told me real women have boobs. And I didn't know what that meant until he insinuated that my chest had to be larger. So in that time, and I don't mean to gloss over this, but in that time, I ended up getting a breast augmentation. And this all ties into the story of modeling because when I met an agent who discovered me, she said that I could model and I was a size four, but if I gained five pounds, I could be a plus size model, which I found was super offensive. You were a size four? Four. And you, and for our followers. And she said you, not only, but like you only had to gain five pounds? Yeah. I only had to gain five pounds. And she Not that it's only, I just meant you're a size four. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Plus size starts at size six. You're kidding me. Your eyes just grew like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's no, because you wear, yeah, (laughs) you wear padding in your hips, your waist, your chest. You put 
those chicken cutlets in your breath like your bras and um, wait you actually put chicken cutlets in oh your yeah bras? yeah I've worked with a girl who is a WNBA player and she is stunning has an incredible strong amazing earth suit and she literally packs an entire Broadway costume in her luggage when she works and she steps into it it's a fat suit and she zips it up uh, yeah uh, and this is in order to be a plus size model in order to be a plus size model so that all goes on under the clothes you see for these big big okay. campaigns and let's and, put a pin in that my jaw has been open for the past five minutes yeah. <laughs> um, I was picked up by elite models in Miami and also a fitness agency here called Silver. And they do things like Under Armour and different clients like that. Um, fitness magazines, et cetera. Um, so I, and that's really how I was discovered was there. And then the agent was like, you should gain five pounds. And ironically, that agent was a plus size model. So I think she had some foresight and was like, you know, this girl's really going to struggle with large breasts because... You know, at that time, I'd already had breast augmentation. And although I feel like a Kate Upton or something, not that I think she has an augmentation, but she does have large breasts and she does perfectly fine in a straight size career. Um, so is that the insinuation that if you have larger breasts, then you would do better in the plus size community? Like, is there a certain cup size that you should not go beyond in order to be a run of the mill model? I would hate to even say that because I feel like it might trigger someone, but I've I do feel like, yes, there are absolutely measurements and things I've been told in the plus size industry, you have to be, if you're a size, let's say 14, which is the most sellable size right now, you have to be a drop 10 at least. So that's the 10 inch differential from your bust to your, your waist to your hips. And a lot of the plus size models now are a drop 16 or 18. So just for listeners who aren't familiar with the terminology and also for me because I'm not familiar with the terminology <laughs> when you say drop 10 do you mean that your waist has to be 10 inches smaller than your hip and your your breast. and your boobs so yeah. like I don't know what are proper measurements but so like an hourglass shape like a coca-cola bottle okay yeah, hourglass so even within the plus size modeling industry world which I would assume is supposed to be embracing diverse body types there's actually a very specific body type oh yeah and also tons of plastic surgery tons of sculpting tons of augmentations it's the same thing as straight size modeling which straight size meaning size zero to size four it's just uh, jargon in the industry and plus size being size six to 18. so is there a parallel i'm here with within the modeling world do you almost feel like you have to do some kind of plastic surgery to get work in the same way in the sports world there is that phase where it's like well if you're not juicing everyone else is juicing and if you want to keep up you gotta you know break the rules to get ahead well I used to talk to my dad about this my dad was the president of the American League for Major League Baseball and we used to talk about because he had to find people for stuff like this and and he would always talk about well you know Sometimes he felt like they had no choice because they want to be successful. They want to be strong. They want to be getting these numbers. And it sounds like it's the same thing in the modeling industry where it's like, all right, if you want to be big time, if you want to have these major sponsorships, these major 
brands that you're working for that you better bend the rules. I mean, uh, but it's not even bent rules, right? Because it's just no, it's, it's it's part of the culture. Completely morph your body. I would go so far as to say, risk your life. Please expand on that. Yeah, I mean, there were several times in my life where I said things like, "I'd rather be thin than alive," out loud. I mean, it was the head. only thing in my head. It's on like an echo chamber. Oh, completely. Nothing else existed. And it was the industry, yes, but also the comparison, the being 20 years old and um, feeling like that's what society wanted me to think and trying to be the perfect woman. So at age 14, I had my first eating disorder. I would binge and starve myself. And that all started because I was a sponsored athlete and I started to see athletes like Jenny Finch and other really beautiful women getting these larger contracts and it was exciting for me and I thought well you know the the prettier I get the more bows or glitter I put on you know the more <laughs> attention um, I have the more sponsors will come in the full scholarship will come in you know the the articles the trips to Japan you know like all of that stuff was because I wanted to be a better athlete and so I developed female athlete triad, I had, which is where you lose your menstrual cycle, you have bone density loss, it's um, eating disorders, and you develop it because your initial goal was to be a better athlete. And so I kind of took it to an extreme, which is a very, um, very me type of thing. My personality is 100% or 0%. And you were sharing a story with me the other day. I believe it was when you were in college and you went to, was it your coach when you you were trying to ask for help? My strength coach. Your strength coach. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. I was a freshman in college and after one of my workouts, I walked into my coach, my strength coach's office, shut the door. And I was telling Catherine, this was one of my bravest first moments of being really Emily going out on a limb to ask for help. And I said, you know, I, I need help with food. I want to be a better athlete. So it was very like, um, I, I wasn't saying I had an eating disorder, right? but I, I wanted to, mm-hmm. and I wanted him to be like, are you okay? And shut the door and ask me. But instead, he made fun of me and was like, what are you trying to say? You have an eating disorder? Oh, just eat some protein. There's some boiled eggs in the uh, food hall or something. Um, And at that point, I was starving myself all day and binge eating all through the night. I finally got him. I begged him. I, I guess he realized it was something that I really needed help with. And I said, look, I I really need a nutritionist. There has to be somebody here that's not just going to like the Health and Human Services Center. And he wrote down on a notepad, a sticky note, a room number and said, "Okay, well, if you really need it, you know, here's the office number and went to the office and I opened the door and I looked down and no one was in the office and there was dust on the desk. And I thought, my life is over. There's no one here that's going to help me. How did you find help? I I still had a little flicker of courage left in me to tell my mom. And so I told my mom, and she helped me find an eating disorder outpatient recovery center in Wilmington, North Carolina. And I went there while I was playing sports. And that's where I got help my first time. 
And what's crazy is you would think, and me going in was almost like, oh, I was just so relieved to be, I felt like I was going to have a home finally. And when you look at the people sitting in the lobby, you think everyone's going to be size negative two. And it's eating disorders have no size. True. Right. You know, I had one at size zero and at a size 16. Who did you tell the full truth to first? And what was that full truth? Oh, I told myself first and um, had to face reality. How long did that take? A decade or, or longer. You know, I started at 14 and at age 27, I started to say, you know, there's two ways I can go. I can continue this perpetual. Uh, and there was a moment there, too. If, I mean, I can relive that moment for you, which I think is important. I was coming, I was going into full body liposuction as a plus size model. And I have a blood condition called Factor V Leiden. And so I was having, um, which is, it makes it very dangerous to have any form of surgery because you're clotting, uh, you clot very easily. So I was giving myself injections to thin my blood for a month prior to surgery and a month after. So I had bruises all over my hips and my thighs from injecting myself. Um, I go into surgery saying things like I'd rather be thin than alive, truly believing it, not just saying it, but believing that I was a waste of a life because I was the big girl and I was always going to be the big girl. Um, going into surgery, I remember standing in the pre-op room, buck naked, and the surgeon was there painting my body with iodine and the nurses were lined up right by the the table. I don't know if you've ever had surgery, but it's super scary. It's a really scary moment, at least for me. Um, and they're just standing there like you're going to be like a butchered chicken, basically, with all the shiny tools and mm. it's cold. And so standing there and my entire body's brown with iodine and I'm trying to comfort myself and I'm thinking, well, this is either the end of my life or the beginning of my life. And it really depended on if I was going to come out alive or not. And when I woke up, I was like, I'm alive. Mm-hmm. And this is awful. You know, I, I looked like I had been in the worst car accident of my life, wrapped from head to toe like a mummy. And my new husband at the time was like, there's nothing he could have said to reverse the way I felt about myself because it was never for him. And he loves me unconditionally. And it was the day after surgery when I went in back to the surgeon's office for them to unwrap my body for the first time when I got to see my body for the first time after full body lipo from the chin, under my chin, um, under my armpits, my waist, the back of my arms, the inside of my thighs, the inside of my knees. Um, I even asked them to do the insides of my ankles because there was another model with thin ankles and I was like, she's so pretty, like, totally totally off the deep end Uh, but I also think that's very normal for a lot of these women to have thoughts like that especially in a modeling career where you're getting paid to look a certain way Um, but I remember looking in the mirror when he unwrapped me and feeling very afraid to tell him but mustering up the courage to say it's not enough wow wow yeah and he looked at the nurse next to him and he didn't say anything so you did actually say that to I him. said it. 
Yeah, because I had spent all that money and I felt like... Would anything have been enough at that point? The next question (laughs) I asked myself was, what is enough? And then I thought, I have two paths I can take from here. I can continue this cycle for the rest of my life and probably kill myself doing it. Or I can just choose to be happy in whatever shape God wants me to look, whatever my earth suit turns into, you know, just that happiness, the choosing of happiness in in what I perceive to be the one of the most miraculous things that we have is an earth suit, this physical experience for our souls. And I see that Another now. Another bond. I say meat suit. Emily says earth suit. Yes. <laughs> yes. And we'll be right back after this cookie, or maybe today it's a donut break. No, it's a cookie. It's totally a cookie. Everyone in the neighborhood knew about Bobby. Bobby, the basketball boy, they called him. Bobby wanted to go pro someday, so he was always out in the driveway shooting hoops. But one day, his mom came out and told him, Hey, your wife wants you to take out the trash? His mom was visiting, and Bobby was a grown man. He had kind of missed his window. Plus, no one had ever seen him actually make a basket. But on the other hand, Bobby had heard how Geico could save him money on car insurance, so he switched and saved. So, it was all good. If someone is looking to you as a role model and all they do is see your image and they think she's beautiful, she has no problems, look at her, there's no way she could know my pain. What are the things that you can offer people that can actually help them break out of the echo chamber, like turn off the ticker tape and move into a place of feeling like positive change is a tangible, you know, it's on the tip of their tongue? Well, the key point I'm going to take out of what you just said is move into this mm-hmm. um, this place that's healthy. It really is moving for fun is a reminder of what your earth suit is meant for. And so for me, one of the key takeaways that I could inspire someone to do would be to just move every day and remind yourself that your earth suit's purpose is to provide a physical experience for you. It's not to be a beauty equation. And if we can remind ourselves that we're meant to move. Our bodies are meant to move. If you can move, it's extremely important and it's such a positive reminder. And to just have the courage every morning to get up, whether it's go for a walk, go for a jog, go for a run, train for a marathon, <laughs> you know, um, and move, whether it's dance or yoga or basketball or softball, just remind yourself that you are a tool. And I'd go so far as to say you're a tool of God, but, you know, that's my journey. Sure. God, universe, energy. Whatever. Sure. Yeah. Before we get to the movement part, because I want to go there, do you still, because, like, I have moments numerous throughout the day where I'm just like, I'm a, I feel fat. I feel fat right now. I feel fat. And sometimes they're better than others, depending on, right, lots of factors. But I don't know how if I'm having a quote-unquote bad day, how to not think those thoughts. Because I follow her around. I'm like, baby, you're beautiful. You're perfect. You're beautiful. She's like, yeah. If I'm having a day where I just don't feel good about my body, it's like every minute it's a thought. Every time I sit, it's a thought. Every time I stand, it's a thought. Have you gotten to a place where it's not constant in your head or it is, but you have something that you say to yourself to make it better? a great question I used to play defense and now I play offense Mm. tell me more so instead of being reactionary 
I am saying like, oh, I feel like crap, oh, whatever. Um, I do things every day. I create positive patterns and systems in my day, the way that you make lists. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to free cookies. <laughs> and I set myself up for success by playing offense. So I create as many positive patterns in my day that make me feel really, really good and strong and remind me that I'm a tool um, instead of putting myself in situations like um, being starving before Thanksgiving and then going in and binge eating and then feeling like crap about it. You know, I set myself up for success, whether it's eating or movements. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it, it's like it, it's a part answer because the other part is like no matter if I'm like, you know, what, I'm going to go for a run today because I know I don't feel good and I'm going to make sure that I, you know, pack a couple power bars or whatever it is that I need to eat later in the moment where I'm like, those are the jeans I feel good in and those are the jeans I only wear when I know I'm feeling like good in that moment, I have almost have like a breakdown in my own head. What do you what do you what what do you do in those moments if you can relate to them? I don't have those jeans. I only have the good jeans. Okay. Mm. You only have the jeans that you will wear anytime as opposed to the pair of jeans yes. where you're like, I only wear those when I'm feeling really good. Yes. Get rid of those. That's actually really good advice. <laughs> I should get rid of those jeans. My skinny days. <laughs> That's right. interesting yeah. because and I think a lot of people are gonna relate to this. I have an old skirt that uh, I don't know I think in 2011 fit me like a charm and I remember a few years after that moment in time trying to zipper that skirt up and y'all it didn't even get remotely close to zipping up but not even close there was no sucking in that could have been done this was straight up did not fit me anymore and that was one of my lower moments of wow my body has changed so much that this I have a picture of me wearing the skirt and I don't feel like it was that long ago but long story short, I kept the skirt. And the skirt, like you said, holds an energy and a symbolism of someday I'm going to fit in that skirt again. And it's just going to zip right up, yep. nice and sweet. And uh, the good news is, since then, I have no idea where the skirt is. And I feel like if I find it, I should burn it now. It's just a symbolism of uh, celebrating my meat suit and not being attached to what size my outfit is but um that's really interesting because i think most people have that one pair of jeans or you yeah. know that, that one was outfit. great advice i'm getting rid of those jeans now yeah we're gonna go make a little <laughs> little yeah charity run do you model at all anymore i don't professionally model but i model on my own social media feed she models on boomerang like a boss i'm a boomerang babe <laughs> she's a boomerang <laughs> boss what's your relationship like with social media i use it to give people a lens into my real life. So I mm. I feel like it is an excellent tool for positive living when it's used correctly. Um, and for me, correctly is just being real and authentic and showing the moments that, showing the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. And we were talking about this the other day too, another takeaway for people, you know, stop following the accounts that trigger you. Like, why Why do you do that to yourself? If there is an account that makes you feel bad about your body, that makes you feel bad about your career, bad about your relationship, don't follow it. You mentioned the moment after full body liposuction where you have that conversation with yourself about like, what will ever be enough? How did your life change after you come to the realization that nothing will ever be enough? 
slowly, which is partly why I talk about my journey so, so transparently, so vulnerably, because I would love to expedite that process for anyone going through that self-discovery and that pain and that loneliness. Uh, it took a while, it took at least three years to come to this place that I'm at now from, from that moment of transparency, um, almost four. The first thing that I did outside of telling myself the honest truth was calling my mom. And that's one of my takeaways too, is to call someone that loves you and tell them the truth or get help, whether that's from a recovery group. Um, I've been a part of Overeaters Anonymous. I've gone to therapy. I've, my husband's my therapist sometimes, you know, my mom. Um, but telling my mom was huge for me because I didn't want her to think that it was her, her problem. What um, did you tell her? I remember calling her. I was in South Beach calling her from my office and I was shaking, tremoring. And I told her, mom, are you sitting down? I come from a really conservative family, so we don't talk about things like this. Right. So you have to have some sort of preamble to like flag that something <laughs> yeah. important is going to happen. Yeah. Are you, because basically she's on the computer working as we're talking. So I'm like giving her this idea that, okay, I need you to stop working and listen to me for a second. And I told her that I had had full body liposuction and not only had it once, I had actually had two procedures. I had, at first I had the um, under chin area done and because that wasn't enough for the modeling industry, I went in and had my entire body done the next year, less than a year later. And I told her about it and she was just quiet and understanding, um, as understanding as you can be, right? As a mom, you want to love your child. She was definitely not ashamed of me or mad at me. She just wanted to tell me that she wished she had known sooner and that she loves me, et cetera. So that was a huge weight off my shoulders to be honest with my mom, the one that gave me life, you know? That was a big conversation. What were the next steps in the slow process of changing? I started talking about it on my blog. I was writing about it. I started an event called Topless. And that was really selfishly um, medicine for me. And can you explain what Topless is? Just because <laughs> people are going to yeah. go, huh? What? Now you've perked my interest. <laughs> so... Topless is a bras on bellies out self-confidence event and everyone that comes to the event, whether it's yoga or running, etc., we wear our sports bras. And so we celebrate our healthy earth suits just the way they are in whatever form they're in. And especially as women, we fluctuate every month. You know, our bodies are changing and our minds are changing with our bodies <laughs> every minute. It's just nice to honor that we'll never be this idea of perfect unless we give each other permission to be that in in whatever phase we're in right now so we do Catherine's taught a topless yoga event and we all do yoga in our sports bras and it's really cool to practice next to other people and to see what people's bodies looks like you know when you're in a locker room and you see you sneak peek <laughs> mm -hmm. and you're like oh okay like she's got cellulite wow okay so I don't look as crazy as I thought I looked mm -hmm. <laughs> but we don't see that because all ads are photoshopped and you know even when they say and this is a whole nother thing 
even when they say Photoshop free, they're using models that have had liposuction and plus mm. like they've had plastic surgery. So it's like an so it's photoshopped in human life. Yes, yes, exactly. The models are the Earth the, suits are photoshopped, photoshopped. essentially. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's where we're going now in the modeling career, in the modeling industry. Um, it's just so nice to see real human bodies in the flesh. In the flesh, mm. and it's not sexual at all. It's just like, oh, sure. this is your Earth suit, but we cover it up so often, especially our bellies. We never show our bellies. You know, our inner thighs or whatever. But the bellies in particular hold so much emotion. And everyone's looks different, just like our faces. Do you know, do you have a reason for why it holds so much emotion? Well, it's where your center of digestion is. I mean, Catherine could probably give you the whole yoga thing. Let's let's hear it, Catherine. Well, I was just going to go on about even down to your digestion, not only affecting your digestive health, but your overall immunity. You know, when your immunity breaks down and it comes from the belly, this is also... Um, the, the chakra that holds your insecurity, it holds your truth. So for example, if you say you're not mad at someone and then that person walks into the room and you get quote unquote butterflies or your stomach flips when you see that person, that's your truth. It's the unavoidable uh, truth of what is actually happening. Your belly will not lie to you. That's why they say trust your gut. This is your chakra that shows you that. So, and that's just from the, from the yoga perspective energetically. So Emily, on the on the, I feel like we're maybe halfway on the journey toward where you are now. From that moment after um, full body liposuction to like where you are today. Mm-hmm. So it was topless yoga, and then like what was the next step? Closet running. So I would get up in the morning before the sunrise. No one's awake, or people that are awake are like drunk and coming home. And I would go for a closet run. So I would not time myself. I wouldn't tell anyone I was running so that I didn't have to like have this expectation of, oh, are you training for something? I just kind of wanted to see what it felt like to go for a run. And I had this idea since we all love dogs. I had this idea in my mind that dogs get to run freely in a dog park, but humans never get to run freely. We're always timing ourselves. We're always like putting pressure on ourselves or goals for ourselves and here these dogs are just like playing tag in a dog park you know and every time I take my dog to a dog park I'm like I just want to kind of do this myself I'm realizing (laughs) that I've never gone for a run without I've never gone for a run for fewer than 20 minutes outside I've never stopped at 1959 says the queen of lists and numbers well this this is not that surprising considering how I like to categorize things. I prefer to run on a treadmill so I can process the numbers while I'm running. And I will. I always run a mile on the treadmill and it always has to be under eight minutes. If it was 8.03 or 8.04, it would be like I lost something. And I wouldn't let it happen, right? Because I would be like, I can control it. And so this concept that I could go for a run and have it not be a challenge I have to meet, but simply like if I wanted to run three minutes and then walk, I could. I've never done that. In fact, I've gone for runs with people and they want to stop and I feel like they're weak. I actually think in my head like, no, because from college basketball, and lots of it, like, no, 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 we said we were going for a run. We're running a minimum of a mile or two before we stop. I know, that, I know that I'm like going on this long soliloquy, but like 
I don't like running anymore and I haven't run outside even though we live in Brooklyn Bridge Park because all it feels like to me is like this challenge I have to meet instead of like this way to just enjoy the outside. And I, I, I want to incorporate this concept of mindful running because I think I would enjoy running again. Just, uh, there's no question. I'm just well, that's convenient in. because Emily is releasing a new book, oh. a new guide <laughs> about this. Yes. Okay. So you went from closet running then to what? Signing up for a 5K, okay. which was also at the crack of dawn. So no one could see. I did that topless as well. I didn't tell anyone. Yeah. My husband knew, but I'm like, don't worry. You don't have to come. Right. Really? It's not a big deal. Didn't want him to see the time that I finished in. And I was even, I did post a picture at the end of it because at that point people knew I was doing topless events, but for yoga, not for running. And I did post a picture as a finisher with my hands in the air to like flatten the belly out. And <laughs> the time was in the picture. And I remember thinking, cause I didn't have anyone come with me. I was being super particular about the photo. And I remember saying to the person like, I just wish they hadn't put the time in the picture <laughs> right. because it, everyone on Instagram was like, oh, it looks like you finished in, oh, okay, the time's all right. Yeah. Let's go for the next one. And I'm like, oh. So new book. Pretty Full Marathon, a training guide from I'm not a runner to 26.2. Emily Nolan, thank you for joining Free Cookies. Thank you it so was awesome. much. So last week, you may remember that Kate had a little fun pointing out how I am incredibly good at butchering idioms. It's so cute, though, when you do it. It is one of my talents. But you've also learned at this point that Kate loves lists. Yes. So I now proudly present to you the ish Kate has lost. Are you excited about this? I can't think of anything that I haven't already publicly named. Oh, there's so much more. So what we're going to start with, Kate recently gave the commencement speech at the University of Colorado. So we're just going to play a little clip here because she starts to break down some of the stuff that she has recently lost. So check this out. Another piece of advice was to be myself. So I'm going to be transparent right now. I boarded the plane to Colorado using my passport because I lost my driver's license. Right. on my taxes. Do you know that that was in front of like 30,000 people? And, you know, as your girlfriend listening to you give that speech, I have to say I was beaming with pride. Thank you. And I, I like that you can poke fun at yourself. Thank you. And you made all of the 20-something-year-olds laugh, and that was a very impressive feat. So this segment is over now. No, it's not. So it's just got started, because here's the thing. Boulder is a really small town, yep. and to give you more praise, after she gave the speech, we must have been stopped at least 30 different times with people saying, I mean, people driving cars, shouting out their windows, that speech was amazing. Yo, Kate Fagan. And even down to the point where we are on the plane on our way back to New York. And this very sweet man was speaking to her. And he went, you know, you know, the part where you said you you left your computer on Delta was that <laughs> I mean, was that real? To which I poked my head over because she was in the middle seat. And I just very dry as a bone delivered. Yeah. It's true. So the segment's over now? The segment is definitely still not over because now we need to actually break down the list of the ish that is Kate has lost. So it starts out with, as you heard in the speech, 
her driver's license. And it, because she lost her driver's license, and by the way, y'all, I would say she did not have a driver's license for, gosh, I want to say three months. And so she had to use her passport. And even that, she would rarely carry her passport. So many a time we would go into a bar where she asked to talk to the manager of the bar to prove that she could have a drink, which did not pan over very well. And then that happened. She graduated to <laughs> losing her entire freaking wallet. But granted, there was no license in it or passport. So I still had the form of identification. True, but it also had every form of payment with your name on it. Mm, small potatoes when you've got so, a girlfriend who's a rockin' yoga star. Oh my gosh. So then Kate is carrying at least two of my credit cards Yep, at old time. Uh, Kate also has not been adulting enough to go buy a new computer, and the computer <laughs> that she has does not have enough memory for the writing she needs to do. And I happen to have old computers that I am such an adult that I hold on to just in case someone will need them. So I gave her one of my old computers. It's true. When I try and save documents on my computer, it's like you don't have the memory to save that. Mm -hmm. So So I have to put it on my email. Old computer, which she had me clean for her, she then left in the backseat pocket of an airplane on Delta, which is still missing, FYI. And then it continues on. We went out to dinner the other night and she had her CU backpack with her. Yes, she Which, by the way, I've had for 14-year-old carrying around a backpack. No, but I've had it for 14 years without losing it. This doesn't make you look better. So we got home. No, I don't think it was until the following morning, morning that she realized she no longer had her backpack. And we called the three locations that we were at. Uh, that was at least four days ago. But wait, it gets better because I was climbing into bed and I went to plug my phone in to my charger and my charger was missing. And I look over the bed and lo and behold, there is my charger on Kate's side of the bed. And I ask Kate, why do you have my charger? And she's like, because I don't have mine. Well, baby, where is your charger? It's in my backpack. <laughs> See, I think that should count as one item. Oh, no, we're not done. One item lost. Because the two, backpack. two of my credit cards are also in your backpack. The two credit cards I was using because I'd lost my wallet were in the backpack, which I then lost. The only redeeming factor is that your wallet that, that you cute. got back the day of was not in the backpack and you lost it as soon Woo-hoo! as you received it. Now, end segment. Not only is it end segment, it's end show. And this show is produced by ESPNW. We got production assistance from Tony Chow and Sarah Johnson. You can find us on the Listen tab of your ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, and CastBox. And don't forget to subscribe. And please, if you have the time, rate and or review because it makes a massive difference for people finding us. And it just, it makes us happy. Yeah, super happy. Do it. Like almost as happy as this donut that I am about to finish. Cookies are better. Donut cookie. Bye, y'all.